So I'm going to start with a list of things I love. I love the color black. I love great quotes. I love cold weather. I love my family. I love the violin. And I love doing podcasts. My name is Gabriella Schwartz, and I am the managing editor at Flipboard. Celebrating the lives, work, and achievements of women around the world. The Drum presents Exceptional Women of the World, hosted by The Drum's America's editor, Doug Zanger. Let's start with three questions. Let's go with this one. The most important decision people can make, and by extension, women can make in their lives is what? I think the most important decision women can make is to choose to be confident. Um, I think that I was lucky in that my mom sort of instilled that in me at a very young age. I remember getting ready for a sixth grade dance, and sixth grade dances are very important I'm, when you're I'm in sixth grade. I'm liking where this is going, by the way. Um, and I put on my outfit that was carefully chosen, and I thought I looked terrible, and I was standing in front of the mirror being very critical of myself, and she said, you're beautiful, this is ridiculous, you're not allowed to say those things about yourself. And she was always the person making sure that I didn't second guess myself. When I got home from school, she always asked me how many times I raised my hand and what I said in class and if I disagreed with someone she always asked me what I said back to her or what I said back to him and how I defended myself so she was always pushing me to be wow. as confident as I could be and making sure I was ready and able to voice my opinion and so she taught me that it's a choice I could choose to stand in front of the mirror and be very critical of myself or I could choose to stand in front of the mirror and say I look great I should go to the dance and have a great time and Although I didn't realize that's what I was learning at that age, I think it showed that you can choose to be confident and that sort of then puts you on the right path for the rest of your life. Wow, that is a great story. And that like <laughs> your mom's like a hero. My mom's a badass, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and this is in genteel Seattle too. Genteel Seattle. She's a New Yorker, so Oh, all right. Well, there. Uh, she might have brought a little bit of that <laughs> to Seattle. I think a lot of us from the East Coast brought a little of that out to the West. But definitely with a Seattle twist, yeah. I would say. No, that's so cool. That is really awesome. What are you inspired by most? I'm inspired by people's stories. I'm a very nosy person. I always was. When I was a kid, I used to stand outside every room in my house with a little like toy gun that lets you hear things through walls and listen to everything, every conversation in my family. And I always wanted to know everything about everyone and everything before anyone. And I think that nosiness drove me to be a journalist because I wanted to know everyone's stories. And now it's what makes me excited at Flipboard every day. I get to read people's stories. I get to read great journalism. I get to read great interviews. And that's inspiring. The collective story of humanity is a very interesting one. What's the story that you f have found most interesting recently? I'm not sure it quite answers it, but the David Isakoff story about Jimmy Fallon recently in the New York Times. That was a good one, right? Was something that's really stuck with me since then, because it sort of was a story of how he's choosing to cover the presidency, how he's choosing to use comedy in this age when he's kind of going against the grain by not being that political. And his journey and how he expressed that was something that resonated with me, I think mostly because I try to be so unbiased in our coverage on Flipboard, and that's something right. that we think about every day. And I don't think about comedians thinking about the news like that. And so to sort of listen to him grapple with those same issues, like I still think about it from time to time. Well, if you think about it in the past, comedy, especially around politics, is just, you know, those, those political leaders were just foils. This president is something completely different. The most polarizing anything in the world. Right. And you know, in that piece, Jimmy Fallon was like, I want to be the voice for anyone who wants to come to me. I'm comedy. So you should be able to come to me if you like Donald Trump or if you don't like Donald Trump. And I respect that. It's kind of a Leno thing. It's, it's a little bit of a Leno thing. I was always a Letterman person, but it is Ditto, kind of a Leno right? thing. I'm surprised that I like Fallon and I liked Letterman. It's very confusing. <laughs> oh, man. It's like being a, a Mets and a uh, 
New York Giants fan. Is that what you are? No. Okay. God, thank God. <laughs> In 2022, what should we be talking about? I hope we're talking about success, regardless of gender. I think right now there are powerful women's lists and there are powerful women's lunches and um, panels and breakfasts and I hope that we're in a place by then where it's just about success and people's stories and what they've achieved regardless of man, woman, sex, gender, any of it. I like that. Let's go to the must list. What is a must do? Visiting Cary Park in Seattle, Washington. You for don't those agree. Who haven't been, no, no, no. For those who <laughs> haven't been, please explain. Cary Park is on Queen Anne Hill in Seattle, which is right above downtown Seattle, and you look out over the park and you can see all of the city. So good. It's very beautiful. Um, yeah. I grew up down the street and it was always a kind of a place of refuge. If I walked our dog down the block, I would hang out at the park for a while. I would go there with my friends late at night. Right. It's always oh, quiet and beautiful. And your friends late at night? Was no, there a little tomfoolery? A little tomfoolery? No. Very okay, wonderful right. children. Just, okay. Always. All right. Just <laughs> but it's a, it's a, it's peaceful. Yeah, it is. And I think even if you aren't from there, you find it peaceful. And it's never too crowded, and it's always beautiful. And even if you can't always see Mount Rainier, it's still beautiful. Yeah. Same with us in Mount Hood. It's still mm. nice. Not as good, <laughs> but that's fine. Oh, <laughs> man. All right. The Seattle-Portland thing, I swear. Uh, <laughs> what's what's another must-do in Seattle real quick? Another must-do. Visiting Benaroya Hall. Yeah. You um, kind of got to do the Space Needle just once. Yeah, but I think Benaroya Hall is more beautiful no, than the Space gorgeous. Needle. No, it is gorgeous. It's gorgeous. So I would say see a Seattle Symphony concert at Benaroya Hall. Okay. Um, maybe, if, I guess you have to go to the Space Needle because you have to go to the Space Needle. Well. But you may as well. But it's not on the, high on my list. I got you. What's a must experience? I think a must experience not to go back to the classical music, but is the classical music concert. I think that people don't see symphonic music very often anymore and aren't exposed to it. And even if you don't understand it or don't think you understand it, it can still have a really transformative effect. Mm -hmm. And I've seen that in my own life, and I hope that everyone can have a chance to experience that. What instrument do you play? Violin. Is that something that you just fell in love with when you were little? or? I yeah, I actually asked for the violin when I was two. Okay, so it wasn't a it was not forced imposed upon, upon me. you. No, okay. um, and I was my parents made me wait till I was four mm -hmm. because I was too young at two, and I got it for my fourth birthday, and it was one of the greatest moments of my life. That's awesome. <laughs> and I've loved I loved it ever still since. Still play? Uh, not as not often, but yes, I do still play. Do you oh, play an instrument? Piano. Piano, classical, jazz. What kind of? Uh, it's it was classical, okay. and then it turned in. My wife is an amazing jazz pianist. Oh wow! But I'm just sort of fiddling around. I used to be rock, kind of. It's you know mishmash, mishmash. Yeah. But you're you allowed gotta, to pick and choose when you're. Yeah, older, you got to practice right? though. I, that's one of those things. It's just, you got to practice, and it's like trying to find time for that. I know. <laughs> I know yeah. exactly, exactly. What's a must read? So about well, less than a year ago, um, Time did a cover story on the Charleston shooting. And I, it was about how you get over grief and how you forgive. And it was just beautiful. Um, I never thought about forgiveness like that. I guess I probably should have as someone who's actually religious. But it never occurred to me that you could actually forgive somebody who caused so much damage. And this story was so incredibly told that I think that's a must read. Obviously a very powerful story. But, I mean, you kind of get to the why. It's like, okay, well, there's plenty of stories about redemption. There's plenty of stories about forgiveness. Why is this one so special to you? Well, I think because the act happened in a church, yeah. it was a much pow more powerful experience, or reading about it, certainly. Everyone was a member of the same community, so it touched on faith, it touched on family, it touched on community. And I think a kind of community that 
we're not necessarily so used to everywhere anymore. It's not something I, I grew up in a beautiful community in Seattle, but it wasn't, we didn't, the same group didn't go to church every weekend right. and it wasn't that kind of tight knit experience. And so reading about not only like their love for each other, but then how that was completely rocked and then how they basically all were able to forgive was a so remarkable journey. Yeah. Yeah. What's a must learn? Other than confidence. <laughs> yeah. I think confidence is the biggest must learn. Yeah. I think and believing in yourself and also probably how to forgive. Especially yourself. Yeah. Because it's like the whole idea of loving oneself first can give you that confidence and then forgiving yourself when you make mistakes. Yeah, and I think we're all hardest, or at least I'm hardest on myself. There's no one that can be harder on me than I am. So I, I can sympathize. <laughs> I get it. I'm not sure everyone's like that, but I hope they're not because it's a rough path. No, no, no. <laughs> I, I was like at your age, everything, like everything, like nod at me. Right. Like, like, oh, it's just, this is the way it has to be. It has right. to be. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. How are you learning to get out of all that? I think really just preparation, like the harder I work and the more I work, the better I feel about my choices and what I do. So I'm not sure I'm actually getting any better at it, mm -hmm. more I'm just learning how to preempt mistakes better. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> so five years from now, what would a must learn be? So what do you think? What do you think? It's five years, you and I are getting together again. Yeah, I will hopefully be telling myself to learn how to take time for other things other than work. What's a question you've never been asked before that you would love someone to ask you and what would the answer be? I'm not asked how I'm doing very often. Really? Like, like in, a, in an like honest never. way, not like, how you doing? It's yeah, like actually, like, like how like, are you? Yeah. Um, and I'm not even sure I ever answer it really honestly because I'm always like, I'm fine. So I actually wish that someone would ask me like how I am and then I would actually feel comfortable enough to tell them. Probably not the easiest thing to do when we are moving quickly in a work day. Right, which is why you always say you're fine, that's, or good, or great, it's a, it's or defensive. how are you? It's defensive. <laughs> totally. I mean, do you think that that's a Western thing too? Because we tend to not, we tend to be sunny side up on a lot of things. Probably. Like, I think there's probably some stigma attached to saying you're not good. So right. I cut my knee today pretty badly. Did you? And I, I did, and I went into the pharmacy, and as I was checking out, she said, "How are you?" And I paused because I was almost about to say, oh, I'm great, but actually I was very not great. <laughs> and I said to her, I'm actually not so good. And she said, oh, I'm so sorry. And I said, thank you. I was like kind of trying out what honesty would feel like there and it actually felt kind of nice. It was kind of liberating. So among your <laughs> peer group, I mean, do you guys talk about like some of this stuff? Like do we need to be better at just kind of like asking each other how we're doing? So I actually think in my peer group, they're pretty good at talking about how they feel without having to be asked. I think I'm oh, kind interesting. of an okay. outlier in that I don't necessarily volunteer that as easily. Right. And that's, so I don't tell them about it because I would mean me asking them to ask me how I'm doing and that feels right. kind of ridiculous. Here's where I compliment you. So I've been a fan of Flipboard before I joined the drum. So there's that, just being very candid, being candid. It's interesting, you and I actually share some common threads well you did win the drums 50 under 30 so that that's a good thing but what I really like is and it's just it reminded me of my earlier in my media career so earlier in your career you worked at Fox News I did and then you moved on to CNN uh, where you won an Emmy for your coverage of election night 2012 so I worked in conservative news talk really yeah ironically enough and it's interesting how you can go 
uh, around all of the spectrums, but still maintain, like, a story is a story is a story yeah. is a story, right? And I think I lean a little bit left. You probably lean a little bit left in your thinking. I like to think I don't lean anyway, but... No, 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 but, but you know, again, <laughs> right. the, the, the sort of presumption is we're Seattle, we're Portland. Of course you're going to be like that. But I compliment you because you, get, you got, like, the tapas of experience, and now you're bringing it to this really important role because, I mean, what you're doing is it's really vital because you're helping to shape what the future of all of this is going to be. So that's an important place to be. And from what I've learned about you and what I know about you and what others have said, couldn't be a better person to help lead that. So oh, that's you. where I compliment that's you. How do you feel about your responsibility? It's because it's not a small thing that you're doing. No, and I think it's actually quite daunting. I feel good about it in that I'm excited every day to help shape what people read and what they find and what they're stimulated by. But it's daunting when you wake up in the morning and it's my responsibility to figure out what the top stories are in the day and then to notify our users about that and to make sure it's the best sourcing and the best reporting and to read all of it to be able to make that determination right. is quite a wait. It's super exciting. I wake up every morning before my alarm and excited to read the, the more you know the most news possible. But it's definitely a it weighs on me all the time. I think if I went to a sleep diagnosis through a sleep diagnosis, they would be very upset with me for my lack of sleep. And it stems from that. It's a big responsibility. I take it very seriously. And I do definitely feel like we're, it's my responsibility to give our readers the highest possible quality content they can. And for that to be the case, then I have to be on the top of my game. Our team has to be on top of their games all the time because the news literally doesn't sleep. Every guest on our show gets a chance to talk about whatever they'd like for a minute or two. So without further ado, the floor is yours. So I guess I will talk about what's sort of most inspiring me right now in the media climate. I think there's a lot of talk about fake news and a lot of talk about noise and unverified sources and unverified reporters. And I think what I've seen as a trend at Flipboard and with our users is a shift toward wanting more information, wanting deeper stories, deeper analysis, more information, and true context to whatever's happening in the news. And I'm really, really excited by that shift. We've seen, even I've been at Flipboard for three years, and the rise in explainers, the rise in breaking things down by the numbers, the rise in quality long-form content has actually been across the board and which makes it really exciting for me because I get to actually curate all of that content into really interesting packages and thematic packages that I didn't even exist a few years ago. So I'm very excited by that shift. The ability to combine video with social, with text and create a complete view of an issue is what leaves me most motivated, I think, and what I hope we see much more of going forward. As we end the show, we ask for one more piece of advice or wisdom. So what would be your last word? I think to know yourself well enough to know where your limits are. So if you know you're hitting a wall and you need to walk, do that. If you know you've seen too many people and you need to have a night at home, do that. Know yourself well enough to listen to yourself so that you prevent yourself from doing things that you would later regret. Thank you for joining us. Seriously, love all the stuff that you're doing, and I'm not just saying that. It's the <laughs> truth. But it's it's always nice to have a fellow Pacific Northwesterner, even though you are a native and I'm not. And that's okay. You can pretend. That's okay. And then we will just see at the end of MLS season who's doing better. 
<laughs> Sounds like a plan. Thank you for your time. <laughs>